My girl left me, my mom died, and my dad got deported, but I got harmless phosphorescence. Okay, I was at a wine tasting with my cousin Ernesto, which was mainly reds, and you know I don't like reds, man, but there was a rosé that saved the day. It was delightful. And then he tells me about this girl, Emily, that he used to kick it with. It was actually the first pair of boobs I ever touched. So he tells me that she's working as a housekeeper now, right? And she's dating this dude, Carlos, who's a shot caller from across the bay. And she tells him about the dude that she's cleaning for, right? That he's like this big shot CEO that is all like retired now, but he's loaded. And so Carlos and Ernesto are on the same softball team and they get to talking, right? And here comes the good part. Carlos says, yo man, this guy's got a big ass safe just sitting in the basement, just chilling. Of course, Ernesto comes to me because he knows I got mad thieving skills. Of course, I ask him, did Emily tell Carlos to tell you to get me to what kind of safe it was? And he says, nah, dog. All she said is that it's super legit and whatever is in it, it's your host, Thoreau Smiley. Who's joining me this week? You have to tell us if you rehearsed that. Um, uh, I'm Josh Cece and uh, would it kill you to call me dad? I'm Brian Lesh, and I think our first move should be calling the Avengers. I'm Zarina Salido, and um, you don't have to raise your hand. <laughs> I'm Alaric Weber, and I did my first car wheel today. <laughs> Good job, Al. So proud of you. Yeah, you're growing up. And this is a Harmless Phosphorescence. It's the podcast where we watch every theatrically released full-length live-action superhero movie ever made. Uh, we do a a uh, deep dive into it. Uh, we go through the production and the source material. Then we tell you all about it. This show is brought to you by our patrons. Patrons like executive producers Michael Beckwith and Atticus Burkett. You could be a patron too. Just head over to patreon.com slash harmless entertainment. We got lots of bonus content there. We got a Star Wars miniseries, holiday shows, a personal history of sound. Uh, we've got our monthly movie. Uh, this month, we are doing a Christmas movie. Um, and... We have our winner ready. This month, we are going to be doing Ernest Saves Christmas. Yes. Yes. I was saying off air (laughs) that if it didn't win, I was just going to have to watch this movie. (laughs) It was was really close. It was almost Scrooged. It was like one vote away. The other two didn't really do much. But yeah, Scrooged and uh, Ernest were neck and neck the whole way. Uh, But yeah, Ernest. Uh, I, I, I picked my movie to take a dive. (laughs) <laughs> nice setup. I've created this podcast to take a dive. Um, so, <laughs> I don't know what that means. We do have a guest this week, Serena. Thank you for joining us. It's our first time Thanks having you on. Having me here. Yeah, it's always uh, good to have a guest on. Um, we appreciate you joining us and putting up with us for an hour and a half. So. Well, I'm just excited to talk about the sexiest man alive. <laughs> oh, you. <laughs> I Thank had you. to. I had to. That's right. It was about he, damn time. He is our blood. current sexiest man alive, isn't he? That is that is correct. <laughs> the reigning. It's like Miss America. He's the current reigning sexiest man alive. Is there guys, like a Stanley Cup? I don't yeah. know. Do you guys find him sexy? I, I'm curious. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, ever clueless. I don't know about sexy. See, I don't know about sexy either, right? He's kind of like, in the movie, he's sexy, but that's Paul Rudd how long ago? Like, yeah. Well, who knows? I don't know how old he is. Yeah, he's like Keanu Reeves. He could be like 500 years old for all we know. Yeah, for all we know. (laughs) Yes. Which means we are watching this week on Harmless Phosphorescence 
Ant-Man. Yeah. My ham bone. Ants! Ants! Ant-Man! <laughs> Ant-Man! I told you I was going to oh play Oh my god, <laughs> I didn't realize he finally became his father. <laughs> oh! That was so Kirk Douglas. That was so <laughs> Kirk Douglas, yes. <laughs> Just wild and crazy. <laughs> That is the single finest piece of film marketing I have ever seen in my entire life. I I have to wonder if they were just doing that or if like Disney was like, hey, can you guys do something weird for a commercial? I almost want to watch that again. (laughs) Yeah, I think it was Michael Douglas's idea, I feel like. I could see that. Something in his eyes. Yeah, I mean, what were they? I mean, they're obviously on some sort of promotional tour or something, but I don't know how that came about. (laughs) Well, I mean, that's called ham bone when you're slapping yeah. on your knees and your thighs, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, Michael Douglas. It's if you don't have spoons. That's how low it is on the musical ability scale. It <laughs> don't even have spoons. It's brilliant that they put it out as an official trailer, <laughs> as an official piece of marketing. That's amazing. Yes. Yeah, I love that. Um, Ant-Man released July 17th, 2015. It has a running time of 117 minutes. It costs $169 million and it made $519 million. Um, so it was, for an MCU movie, a medium-sized hit. It wasn't, you know, Avengers level, but it was Ant-Man. That's pretty darn good for Ant-Man. Yeah, I would say so. He was, you know, well, this is following the the second Avengers movie, which critically was not the most well received. No, no, but it made over a billion dollars, one and a half, yeah. nearly, yeah. But I mean, that's because yeah. it was an Avengers movie, so um, I think it made that all in one weekend, and then no one saw it again. Um, but yeah, Ant Man did very well for for being, I mean, God was he even a B level, maybe a C level um, hero. I mean, he was one of the original Avengers. He was. Yeah, that's true. But he was. But I mean, the Avengers were not an A-list team. No, the Avengers were not the Justice League when they were created. The Fantastic Four was closer to that level of like popularity when they were created. But um, so, guys, I was wondering, y'all ready to play the box office top 10 game? Oh, yeah. Oh, you betcha. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> this is oh yeah, <laughs> you're, tr- you're, you're channeling your uh, up, inner upper midwesterner there, Al. Uh, yeah, <laughs> my voice changed. Yeah. My whole family's from Iowa. Is that uh, does Iowa have in? that too? Because I thought that was I know Minnesota not, not as not as strong, but um, definitely in her later years, my mom started sounding a little more like that it's because it's it's funny my um my wife's family they're all from wisconsin they sound really really deeply like that out of oh yeah gonna get up on the roof and and do some fixings up there real good real good then yeah my mom my mom it never got that thick with her but every once in a while it would just slip out interesting i didn't know that was went so far south um, so, all right, we are playing the box office top 10 game. This is the game where I will describe each of the top 10 movies of the week of July 17th, 2015. Uh, our our uh, panel here will try to guess what the movie is I'm describing. Um, I will use the box office mojo descriptions, except where I don't. So, here we go, everybody. 
<laughs> Jumping into the box office top 10, coming in at number 10 for the week. A newlywed couple, Ted and Tammy Lynn, want to have a baby. <laughs> but in order to qualify to be a parent, Ted's going to have to prove that he's a person. Ted 2? <laughs> yes, Ted 2. Oh, the, the teddy the bear. bear movie? Yeah, the Seth MacFarlane one. The, the sequel mm. with Marky Mark. <laughs> Mark. Nice going, Al. <laughs> yeah. They wanted to adopt a kid. Is that what you said the premise was? Adopt or... Yes. Or yeah, kidnap. I guess I assume they adopt because I assume Ted can't procreate. I haven't watched either of these. Don't so know I, don't that. Know. I think that's a fair assumption. That, is it though? <laughs> that's true. <laughs> Yeah, that is right. true. I should not is, make assumptions about sentient bears. Bear, is that a bear assumption? Ooh. <laughs> All right, Al. <laughs> Sorry. I think you're in pun jail for a little while. Um, I just got out. I just got well, out. you know, assumptions are making an ass of you and me. Yeah. <laughs> or an ass of you and umptions. Over and over. Uh, Coming in at number nine Opening this week at number nine An Indian man With a magnanimous heart Takes a young mute Pakistani girl Back to her homeland to reunite her With her family Hmm. This looks like it might actually be Like a full Indian production I don't think this is an American film in any way It's crazy that it, it It was this popular in The US box office Sometimes there's crossovers, yeah. I have never heard of it prior to right now. The uh, man with a magnanimous heart. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's called. I'm gonna. I'm gonna butcher this, and I apologize to all of our listeners on the oh, subcontinent, no. of which we actually have some. <laughs> we have a lot. Yeah, we're sorry, guys. Help us out. Yeah. Um, so I apologize to all of you. This. I'm sure some of you are guessing this, but it's Bajrangi um, Bajan is what it's called. Okay. It did pretty well. It it made what <laughs> it it made over it made like five million dollars in the U.S. So good. That's that's interesting. Yeah. Well, because sometimes we'll do we'll do more than the top ten when we've like you know hit a week before, and there are movies that I've heard of that don't make the top twenty. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, they're op- they're opening week. It's interesting that this made the top ten. Yeah, it was a big big movie. No, it was- but it was not a big week for movies though. Obviously. I mean, there's um, a there's a fair amount of big movies in here, but um, I don't know. Ted Two is uh, pretty popular. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't know, but if I, <laughs> yeah. this is in the top ten. It made five million. It opened in the top ten, so it, it came out strong. Um, coming in at number eight. Twenty years after after a horrific accident during a small town play, students at the school resurrect the failed show in a misguided attempt to honor the anniversary of the tragedy but soon discover that some things are better left alone. Macbeth, The Awakening? <laughs> Is this Harry a high Five? school musical? Oh, uh, I have never heard of this movie either. This is this is a weird week. Um, yeah, it's called The Gallows. Wow. No idea. Never heard of it before. Um <laughs> Coming in at number... You were in an interrogation. Right. Did you make this movie thorough? <laughs> Leave me alone. I have to go. <laughs> he doesn't know anything. 
All right, coming in at number, uh, what are we on? Number seven. Three years after leaving the business, Mike (laughs) and the remaining kings of Tampa hit the road to Myrtle Beach to put on one last blowout performance. I know this is your favorite movie, Brian. Is this Magic Mike? XXL? Yes! You no. got it! Wow. <laughs> I did. Brian gets, uh, what? Uh, what, 30? How XXL did you know that, 30. Brian? <laughs> is, uh, I, I like a greased up man. What can I say? Yeah. <laughs> I mean. Might as well. Yeah. Greased. You may, you may as well man. like I, a greased up man. Yeah. The more I ask. see of Channing Tatum, the better. Well, Brian, yeah, I, I like that easy, Channing like, I could see you all the greased up, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, yeah, I've got a surprise for you, <laughs> Brian. I'm pulling off the shirt and greasing up for this rest of the show. Uh, I was expecting Channing Tatum to come run through my door, but uh, I'll take, I'll take what I can then? get. Bro. Just, just burst through like the Kool-Aid man. <laughs> All greased up and ready to rumble. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> Just like the Macho Man. Uh, uh, coming in at number five. <sighs> um, <laughs> a, low, a slow Gosh. loading page. Uh, I'll make it up. Coming in at number five. Dinosaurs do bad things. <gasps> Jurassic Park. Uh, yeah, no. Um, oh, 2000. Not Extinction. What do they call this? Jurassic World. Jurassic World, yes. Indeed. Uh, Walking dinosaurs. (laughs) In Memphis. Um, (laughs) uh, Oh, I skipped six. Coming in at number six. (laughs) We're going back for it. Yeah, yeah. Um, The leader of the human resistance sends a sergeant back to 1984 to protect a woman and safeguard the future. But an unexpected turn of events creates a fractured timeline. This movie's fucking terrible. Uh, yeah, one Terminator. Terminator <laughs> one them, 2, right? One of them Terminators. Yeah. <laughs> Not Terminator 2. Gen- no, that's it. Genesis. Ex- uh, Genesis. Genesis. Terminator oh, Gen- Genesis. Yeah, with the Y. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, this is the one with uh, What's-Her-Face returning. Um, Sarah Connor. Yes. Right. Well, Linda yeah, Hamilton. yeah, but it's but it's not Linda, Linda Hamilton. Hamilton. It's it's uh, what's her face? Uh, Khaleesi playing Sarah Connor. Oh, Daenerys Targaryen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sarah Connor. Yeah, Amelia Clark. That's yes. right. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. Um. Number four. Oh, didn't this have a Doctor Who in it? Also. As, Sorry. I, yeah. I'm yeah. Stuck he on played this. Skynet. Yeah, go. Playing the voice of Sky or yeah. uh, the personification yeah, Skynet. of Skynet. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Weird. Yeah. Matt Smith. Yeah. Um, coming in at number four. After being uprooted from her Midwest life and moved to San Francisco, a young girl runs away from school and her family. Oh, this is the one about feelings. Um, <laughs> inside out. <laughs> Nothing more than feelings. Yes. Inside out. This That's mo- a good oh, one. It really is. It is a good I, one. I, I've seen most of the Pixar films in theaters when we had theaters. Um <laughs> You know, up until last year, due to having kids um, in the age range, and man, this one legit made me cry in in the theater. Um, 
<laughs> not at home, alone in bed at night. They, um, that <laughs> one they purposefully, like, I could tell when they were trying to make you cry because all of a sudden oh. the music would start swelling. Mm. And I'm like, damn it, they're doing it right now. They're doing it. And then it would just oh, be yeah. like... <laughs> and Pixar you could, is some emotionally manipulative right? shit. Oh, yeah. Like, you know what you're doing right now, Pixar, and it's working! Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ex- exactly. It always works every damn time. <laughs> bastard yeah i couldn't believe up i couldn't believe it started that way oh my god beginning i'm already fucking wrecked yeah yeah (laughs) absolutely um all right coming in at number three oh this movie okay having thought that monogamy was never possible a commitment phobic career woman may have to face her fears when she meets a good guy not a nice guy a good guy oh is this a, that was it amy schumer yeah I'm bill Hader. is it train wreck yep you got it oh yeah. and uh uh what's his face michael cena yeah this was john, the first, cena? john cena yeah i'm sorry um yeah <laughs> not michael sarah but john yes. cena <laughs> i feel like i should know who that is you said it was such confidence but if <laughs> michael sarah had played the john cena role that would have been hilarious <laughs> If you just swap them out of any. Yeah. Oh, God. John John Cena as Scott Pilgrim. Or in Superbad. Oh, man. Or as as George Michael Bluth. (laughs) See, you're picturing John Cena in his roles. That's so funny. I was flipping it. So, like, Peacemaker from Suicide Squad. Yeah. Michael Sarah in the the wrestling ring. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, this was the first movie which I saw John Cena in, and I was like, wow, he's actually kind of funny. Yeah. Well, he's one of those guys that got into rest- like where wrestling became a pipeline. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. He's one yeah, of the few that has legitimately been able to uh, transfer his skills over to the big screen. Of course, The Rock and Dave Bautista yeah. being the other two big examples. Uh- Hulk Hogan, I mean, come on. Yeah, but he well, was that's never I mean. able to break he started, out. But he could, yeah. <laughs> like, you guys remember Mark. Mr. What was it, Mr. Mom? Suburban Commando. Oh, it was Suburban, Suburban Commando. Commando. These are hits, man. Yeah. Well, I mean, we let's not forget. <laughs> I shouldn't have had all that sushi, brother. Yeah. Let's not forget Rowdy <laughs> that's Roddy. That's what he says on his sex tape. We do Roddy, Roddy, Roddy Piper. Piper. Roddy, we do Roddy, have an episode yeah. of They Live up on the Patreon, everybody. Patreon.com slash right. Harmless Entertainment. Um, so, yeah. Um. Let's see. Uh, coming in at number two, Stuart, Kevin, and Bob are recruited by a supervillain who, alongside her inventor husband, hatches a plot to take over the world. I had no idea these characters had names, by the way. <laughs> Alvin and the Ch- No, we know their names. <laughs> yeah, that's Alvin. <laughs> Alvin. One of them. That's not all of them. No. We are Alvin. Resistance is futile. <laughs> the hive mind of chipmunks. Don't they though? All right, let's see. With her inventor husband. Yeah. Um, Stuart, Fantas- Kevin, and Bob are the key to figuring this out. If you can is figure this out- like a, is this? Yeah. What are those uh, minions? Movies? Yes, it's minions. Oh, Stuart, Kevin, and Bob right. are minions. You gave it away with I didn't know they had names. Yeah, I did not. I only know them yeah, as, I mean, as racist Facebook memes names. mostly. I've uh, seen one of them. Uh, and yeah, right. <laughs> opening at number one, armed mm. with a super suit with the astonishing ability to shrink in scale but increase in strength. <laughs> 
<laughs> Burglar Scott Lang must embrace his inner hero and help his mentor, Hank Pym, pull off a plan that will save the world. This was the man who was able to shrink himself. Uncle Boy and Ant-Man. <laughs> <laughs> Honey, I shrunk myself? Yeah. Oh, that was one, yeah. though, actually, Al. Honey, we shrunk ourselves. Was one of I the know. sequels. <laughs> Uh, that is our box office top 10, which brings us to the comic and character background of Ant-Man and the rest here on Alaric's Isle. Al, tell us all we need to know. I will try. Or I'll try to try. <laughs> um, so, right. Hank Pym was created by Stan Lee, Larry Lieber, and Jack Kirby. First appeared in Tales to Astonish, number 27, January of 1962. Uh, it was a seven-page cover story uh, titled The Man on the Ant Hill, about a scientist who tests shrieking technology on himself and getting chased by ants and bees. I'm sorry, what year did he debut? Oh, yeah. 1962. Okay, yeah, atomic age. <laughs> I call it the um, age of Frankie Valley. <laughs> this issue sold so well that Stan decided to turn him into a superhero. Uh, Pym returned eight issues later as costume superhero Ant-Man in Tales to Astonish number 35. And the character's adventures became an, became an ongoing feature in Tales to Astonish. In issue number 44, January of 1963, um, that issue featured the debut of Pym's girlfriend and lab assistant, Janet Van Dyne, who adopted the costume, costumed identity of the Wasp and became Pym's co-star in Tales to Astonish. I what if she was like a wasp wasp and she just had like teeth, <laughs> the, the, you know, like the wasp. Yeah. yeah. So in the comic, good. she didn't have that dad, the dad that wasn't her dad. She came along as an assistant later. Um, oh, right. That was, uh, so that was, that's nine issues after the first appearance of Ant-Man because he wasn't Ant-Man in the first story. Um, but yeah, Janet Van Dyne, um, not Hope Van Dyne. The mom. Um, yeah, Michelle Pfeiffer's character, who we later find out. Oh, spoilers. <laughs> yeah, who is, who, yeah, the character who is conveniently has a hat covering her face in every photo in this movie. <laughs> I know. Could you look up here, Jan? You're like, do you know how to take <laughs> photos, Janet? Come on. When uh, Lee and Kirby created the superhero title, The Avengers, Ant-Man and the Wasps were established as founding members in issue number one, September of 1963. Uh, Pym had discovered some unusual subatomic particles, which he dubbed Pym particles. Of course and he created, did. <laughs> and, no, created, and created serums, one which would shrink him and the other to reverse the effects. I've created those serums Pym myself, but... <laughs> <laughs> Other people seem to dispute that I'm actually shrunk. Uh, Pym's first appearance in first experience in the ant hill inspired him to study ants, and he created a cybernetic helmet allowing him to communicate with and control ants. I love Marvel speak, just cybernetic, and we're all like, yeah. right. 
Sure, it's cybernetic. Yeah, hyperfusion. <laughs> There's nothing wrong. Of course you can have a helmet that controls ants. Yeah, of course you can. Boogie Gamma radiation. radiation. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and the guns go pew, pew, pew. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Um, after Sorry, learning yeah. to... No worries. After <laughs> learning to grow rather than just shrink, Pym would adopt the new identity of Giant Man and then later that of Goliath. <laughs> I think he's got some adequacy issues. Uh, He did, actually. Um, Tired of people calling him small. (laughs) He's all giant man now. All right, well. It's all relative. He he felt a little inadequate um, next to Iron Man and Captain America. Who wouldn't, though? Well, yeah. As discussed last week, Pym was the creator of the sentient robot Ultron. Later, during a botched experiment, Pym accidentally inhaled chemicals that affected his mind. The resulting personality change led him to adopt another persona as Yellowjacket. Uh, Crystals changed his mind? I've often... Accidentally. Yeah, I've accidentally inhaled chemicals. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to (laughs) say. Numerous times. I've inhaled uh, crystals that have changed my mind, for sure. Um, Destroyed my lab notes. They need to think it was an accident. (laughs) And... We haven't even got out of the 60s yet. Oh, oh man. <laughs> Sorry. We'll All that a long, strange trip it's been. Um, in shrunken <laughs> size, Ant-Man would maintain the strength of a normal human. Uh, Pym would achieve superhuman strength when in giant form. Um, hang on. It's awfully no. convenient that he's super strong, both big and tiny, but not regular. Not regular. He's regular <laughs> strong. <laughs> Um, Pym was, of course, a genius-level intellect, and at times a genius-level asshole. <laughs> yeah, famously an asshole. asshole. Yeah, famously, which is played up in this movie. Well, and I mean, Michael Douglas mm-hmm. is perfect casting, just perfect. Yeah, I was surprised to see him actually when I saw him. I was like. What the heck is Michael Douglas doing in this movie? So I, yeah. So, but then he grew on me because then it was just like he was good casting at first, mm-hmm. But I, I was a little bit like, wait, Michael? Du- I, yeah, yeah. No, it was interesting. He's one of the first old '80s stars that like they started bringing back for these. Um, mm-hmm. and the and the de aging on him was pretty darn good for 2015 in that first scene. That's so. Yeah, very That's Wall Street true, yeah. era yeah. Michael Douglas looking yeah. there. I can't think of who w- would have. Yeah. Yeah, I can't think of who else I would have cast, but yeah, it was a little interesting to see that he was going to be in a Marvel movie. Well, he's got that perfect mix of um, of kind of like snideness and like, but also like just a little bit scumbaggy. Like he's he's a little growly. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, because well, yeah, scumbaggy for sure. That's how we knew him: Wall Street, Fatal Attraction, sure, yeah, falling uh, down, romancing the stone. Oh my god, yeah. Down. Yeah, I guess he's I always was, played that. Kind of. I was reading in the notes that um, Paul Rudd tried to do a basic instinct on him, and that did you read that in the in that in the, <laughs> was it that, a leg crossing thing? I think so. And that um, he called him. He's like, "What are you a fucking pervert?" <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. Michael Doug said that back to him. <laughs> Sorry, Al. Back to the sixties. We uh we're gonna skip over everything with uh, Hank Pym. Um, yeah, and move on to Scott Lang. Hmm. 
Um, Scott Lang first appeared in The Avengers number 181, March of 1979, created by David Michelini, uh, Bob Layton, and John Byrne. Hmm. Lang is an electrical engineer and movie fanatic who turned to burglary when his career failed to provide enough excitement in life. <laughs> uh, wow, interesting motivation. Yeah, like I'm bored. I'm going to be a burglar. Um, that was retconned uh, years later. Anyway. Uh, wait, Lang, wait, wait, wait. Uh, Comic uh, books retconning something? Get out of here. Um. Upon being caught, Lang spent four years in prison before being paroled for good behavior. Upon release, Lang was soon hired by Stark International in the design department and helped Stark install a new security system in Avengers Man Mansion. <laughs> I, okay. <laughs> that just, yeah, leave it, to, leave it to the Starks to hire someone well, who's going to end up becoming a hero. Well, and I was going to say, like, what a weird job to contract out. Like, you're Stark right. Industries, but you you hire a private guy to do your security system. Oh, no, he wasn't He wasn't a private. He was hired, but he was part of the company. Anyway. Right. Why would Tony... Okay. Why wouldn't it just be Stark Industries, security. like, security division? Yeah. Um, He was a super good it electrical engineer. Yeah, it was a rhetorical <laughs> and Tony, question. Tony trusted him. <laughs> Anyway, I love that Al will defend the, the incredibly <laughs> silly choices that a comic book writer made 25 years ago. Tony trusted him. Come on, Josh. That's why. Okay. All right. Um, Scott's I daughter. I put him in the building when I built it. I would have put all that security in. Sorry to talk on the podcast. They were. It's all you, buddy. <laughs> They were upgrading the security system. Scott's daughter, Cassie, became seriously ill, and the only doctor capable of helping her was forcibly taken to cross-technological enterprises. Lang broke into the home of Hank Pym and stole the Ant-Man suit and shrinking gas, using them to rescue the doctor who saved Cassie's life. Upon being confronted by Hank Pym as Yellow Jacket, Lang intended to return the Ant-Man suit and turn himself in for the theft. Pym, aware of Lang's use of the suit to save Cassie, allowed Scott to keep the suit, provided he only use it to uphold the law. Scott did so, becoming the second Ant-Man, fighting alongside the Avengers, the Fantastic Four, and later the Guardians of the Galaxy. I love that. Uh, I love that he's like, Uphold, you have to uphold the law in this suit. Now become a an illegal vigilante. Right. Yeah. Whose laws? Which laws? Scott Lang was also a genius level intellect. <laughs> and was able to make several improvements to the suit over the years. The character was given the first Ant-Man self-titled ongoing comic series in 2015. Oh, wow. There wasn't a titled Ant-Man until then? There was not. Huh. Wow, until the movie. Um, he was, as we kind of hinted at earlier, uh, Ant-Man was never really a, a big success as a character. Well, he wasn't a marquee name. I'm sure he had his fans. But... 
Uh, let's see. We've got Hope Van Dyne, who is loosely based on the character of Hope Pym, the daughter of Hank Pym and Janet Van Dyne. Created by Tom DeFalco and Rob Friends, first appeared in A Next, number seven, April of 1999. Uh, Hope Pym existed in the alternative future of the MC2 universe. After the after the deaths of their parents, Hope and her twin brother Henry Pym Jr. became outraged when the team A Next was dubbed the Next Generation of Avengers. You know the MC Two universe is a twin. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, in in the MC Two universe, the MC Two universe is interesting, but I personally prefer the MC Five universe and the hero Jeepster. (laughs) MC Five, kick out the jams. Uh, the twins put together the supervillain Revengers team, Hope taking on the persona of Red Queen, a villainous version of her mother, the Wasp. Our- oh, okay. Queen, yeah, I get it. That was all in the future movies, right? With the twins and like, not, the, I know we're a little ahead. Is No, it's not in the movies. Yeah, there's Janet comes not and we finally least. meet her. Yeah, but she, there's no brother. Yeah, yeah. That's, I didn't even know she had a brother. Yeah, I'd oh. never heard of that. <laughs> they um, kept him in an ant farm <laughs> <laughs> on the shelf. He lives in the walls. <laughs> he lives in the walls, <laughs> skittering about. And then we have Darren Cross, who was created by John Byrne and David Michelini, first appeared in Marvel Premiere number 47, April of 1979. This was the same issue that Scott Lang uh, first got the Ant-Man suit. Um, Darren Cross was a millionaire and founder of Cross Technical Enterprises. Uh, Cross is diagnosed with a heart condition due to overwork. He uses an experimental nuclear organic pacemaker to save himself. Okay. Um, This granted him superhuman abilities with the side effect that overuse causes the burning out of his heart. Cross abducts Dr. Erica Sondheim to replace his heart and abducts unwilling heart donors from the slums. Unwilling heart donors. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Dr. Sondheim was the one doctor who could save Cassie Lang so Scott comes looking for her and the subsequent battle burns out Cross's heart and he apparently dies Um, Dr. Sondheim had replaced his old dying heart uh, without him knowing so his heart burned out. Apparently, and the Darren, bum's heart is. Uh, they just threw it out in the trash or fed it to the dogs. I don't know. <laughs> they, the hounds. They they turned it into a lamp. It <laughs> break you in. But the willing ones. <laughs> yeah, the willing, right, heart willing donor. heart. Yeah, just find a willing you know, heart while donor. While Problem solved. <laughs> Darren Cross would be resurrected, having been kept in cryostasis by his son, and would become the next Yellow Jacket in September of 2016. Oh, all right. And that's all I have for today. 
All right. Well, thank you, Al, for the trip down Ant Lane. Um, that brings us to the production of the film itself. So uh, the first time this got pitched as a movie was uh, in the late 80s. Stanley pitched it to New World Pictures. That was the period where he was going around and pitching everything Marvel had to anybody that would listen. Um, yeah. He... Uh, um, it went into development, but it never got made due to uh, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Basically, they were like, we only have room for one tiny person movie. <laughs> I uh, mean, fair enough, right? Yeah. I mean, I would have thought that would have made it more likely to go into production, but, you know. Well, that's true because dueling movies are popular. Yeah. But like if you saw that or if you saw Ant-Man or Honey, you would you would be disappointed by the next one. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's the same thing. Uh, so nothing happened then until two, the year 2000 when Howard Stern met with Marvel and attempted to buy the film rights to it. Weird. Uh, yeah. Very weird. Yeah. Howard Stern wanted to personally make an Ant-Man movie. But that was maybe when Howard Stern made that his own movie and it turned out to be like kind of sweet and everyone thought it was going to be really raunchy. Was yeah. that the same? Oh, and that was, Private Parts? Yeah, Private Parts was yeah. just a few years earlier. That was a late 90s one. So it wasn't too yeah. long afterwards. That era, like turn of the century, that was a little, that was kind of the high point of his career as far as like his popularity yeah. goes, I feel like. Um, so, all right. Then, then in May of that year, Artisan Entertainment... Um, made a deal with Marvel to uh, make an Ant-Man film. Um, in 2000, nothing happened for three years. <laughs> they love announcing things that never happen. Uh, yeah. In 2003, Edgar Wright and Joe Cornish wrote a treatment for Artisan. Um, Edgar Wright um, said that it would revolve around Scott Lang as a burglar. It would be kind of an Elmore Leonard film, style film. Okay. But Artisan said they wanted to make a family film. So they were looking for something more kid-oriented. Um, Wright believes that Artisan never passed his treatment on to Marvel. Um, but a year later, uh, he and Cornish were able to actually pitch straight to Kevin Feige. And in 2006, Marvel hired uh, him on to go ahead and write and direct it. This is prior to Iron Man, even. He, in, in 2006, they hired Edgar Wright. Wow. And he's uh, half of the mind behind uh, Shaun of the Dead. Right. Listeners so, that don't know. Yes, yeah, so Edgar Wright, of course, um, is the the Shaun of the Dead, the Cornetto Trilogy, Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, and World's End, um, Scott Pilgrim, uh, uh, Baby Driver, the... Uh, uh, the his recent one, what is it? Soho Nights. Um, so uh, he's yeah, Soho Nights. He he's well known as being a very visually interesting director. Um, he does comedies a lot. Um, so this kind of was right up his alley, as far as tone. Um, and then his his partner is Joe Cornish, um, who you know uh, was his his co writer producer for all of that. Um, so. Basically, from 2006 through 2014, they kept Jeez. writing uh, drafts of the script in between making other films. Um, 
uh, all of those, Hot Fuzz, World's End, uh, Scott Pilgrim, all of those got made in this period. Um, hmm. And they eventually, in 2013, started going into pr- actual production for Ant-Man. Um, in 20... January in 2013 is when it was announced that it was going to be part of Phase 3. Um, then he and Cornish completed the final draft of their film, of their script. Um, they delayed production to finish World's End. And then um, in August of 2013, um, after Joss Whedon announced that you know Pym wasn't going to be involved with Ultron, um, Edgar Wright um, uh, you know, said that Ant-Man was going to be more of a standalone film. Uh, they, it was originally scheduled for December 2015 release. They moved it up to July. And then um, in December of 2013, I'm sorry, January of 2014, uh, uh, Edgar Wright announced that he was leaving the project due to having a differing uh, artistic vision for it than Marvel Studios did. Um, it's been pretty tight-lipped what like the final thing was that kind of killed it off. They did want but to... But you can guess. Well, Disney... It's Since then, it's been leaked that Disney wanted to bring... wanted rewrites done on the script by other writers that were not Edgar Wright or Cornish. And Edgar Wright basically said, I'm not a director for hire. I'm an auteur. I'm a writer director. I do the film. I'm not, or I don't. Right. So that's, yeah, cause I saw Adam McKay's name snuck into the writer's right. list. Right. So that's yeah, that, that is afterwards. They weren't originally going to give it to Adam McKay necessarily, but they did tell him that they wanted to bring in other writers to clean up the script, which he was very against. Um, and that's when he left. Adam McKay was going to direct it. But due to his friendship with Edgar Wright, um, he turned down the directing offer, but did agree to um, do a draft of the script with Paul Rudd, as he mm-hmm. and Paul Rudd were friends, and Paul Rudd was still attached. So um, they did a draft of the script. Um, Peyton Reed was brought in to direct, and Adam McKay, of course, um, he was an SNL writer. He did Talladega Nights. Um, Anchorman. Anchorman, yes. Anchorman, yeah. Yeah. Um, but, with- and also Gary Sanchez Productions. So whenever you're watching a television, whatever, with that teacup and the gun. Yes. Yeah. Gary Sanchez Productions. That's Adam McKay. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. Uh, he, let's see. Oh, he, uh, uh, the big short, of course, Vice. He's been nominated. I don't. Oh, yeah. He, he won win. an Oscar he, for the did big he win? short. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. he was up on stage, yeah. Yeah, he won. Yeah, so, you know, he's very, very well-respected um, at this point especially. Um, but uh, Peyton Reed, uh, let's see. He's he's definitely a director for hire. He did Bring It On, Down With Love, Yes Man. Um, ooh, he's Ooh. also... Uh, <laughs> he directed the live action sequences of the Back to the Future cartoon. <laughs> Do you guys remember that from the early 90s? 
It was. No. I remember that it existed. I didn't know Doc, there were live actions. Yeah, Chris, uh, uh, what's his face? Um, Doc Brown. Um, Chris. Uh, uh, Christopher Lloyd. Christopher Lloyd would uh, would would like. He'd be Doc Brown. And he'd be like, "Everything's crazy, but let's watch our adventures." And then it's him and Marty, like in like the in like samurai times in China, and like in yeah. in medieval times. And is this the, a cartoon? It's a cartoon. Yeah. Yes. From the okay. early nineties. <laughs> Is that the same one that um, uh, Doc Brown's kids were on it? They were a part of it. Yeah. Doc Brown, Marty, Doc Brown, Clara, and the kids, they'd travel <laughs> through time and have adventures. Back to the future, babies. Yeah. Um, he also, um, Peyton Reed also um, was involved with the Upright Citizens Raid, as was Adam McKay. Yeah. Um, yeah. He uh, He's directed episodes of The Mandalorian. He directs the sequel to this, as well as Quantum Mania. The upcoming Quantum Mania. Um, so, um, Paul Rudd is our star, and he has a writing credit. Paul Rudd, of course, <laughs> is the sexiest man alive. Um, yeah. The current is he the first to get a writing credit on a movie that he that he starred in in a Marvel movie? The first Marvel. Oh, well, a Marvel. Yes, yes because. Yeah. Robert Downey did not get credit, although he was even though he ad libbed a third. He ad like he essentially wrote half the film. Yeah, he yeah. he did not get any writing credits on it due to um, Paul Rudd. Though is a member of the Writers Guild, so he was able to get writing credit on it. Hmm. Um. But yeah, so um, God, what was it? his uh, Clueless was. Was that That's the first time I, I remembered him. Absolutely the first time I remember seeing him. Um, let's see. He And then <laughs> Wet Hot American Summer. That was his first starring role, was Clueless. He was also in Halloween 6, The Curse of Michael Myers. Wow. Yes, he was. Uh, yep. Oh, I forgot. He was in Romeo plus Juliet, <laughs> the uh, Baz Luhrmann. <laughs> um, yeah. Then, yeah, Wet Hot American Summer. He was in Cider House Rules, 200 Cigarettes. That's a good movie. Um, and of course he was in Anchorman, um, 40 year old virgin. Um, this is 40. That's, I feel like that's when he started coming into his modern, like renaissance. Yeah. Around this is 40. Um, Judd Apatow helped. Yeah, absolutely. My idiot brother. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Um, and of course he'll be in a number of Marvel movies after this civil war, uh, end game and of course uh um oh no that's right he's not in infinity war because he was in ant-man and wasp um but uh oh and the currently in theaters ghostbusters afterlife oh yeah he's yeah. in that that's right he's Wait, pretty good uh with will ferrell on the apple tv show the shrink next door too. oh i that's on my cue but oh, i haven't I watched it yet that's huh. real weird did you guys see that one well i can't remember what it's called it was a netflix series where he played himself and a clone oh. of himself. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That was good. There's also one where he played a bad guy. I think it was a Netflix movie. Well, he plays a bad guy, obviously in that. But he yeah. plays a bad guy, um, and you don't see it coming. Spoiler alert. I don't. Ooh. I won't tell you what the movie's called. But uh, <laughs> okay, thanks for not telling us. <laughs> yeah, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to tell you the title. There's one out there though. Spoilers. <laughs> Um, he still does movies with his buddy David Wayne from the state and yeah. Wet Hot American Summer. He did one not that long ago with Jennifer Aniston. It was a David Wayne movie, Wanderlust. That was pretty good. It's, yeah, it's way under the radar, but it's a really good comedy. Yeah. 
Um, let's see. We have Evangeline Lilly as Hope Van Dyne. Um, Evangeline Lilly. Lost. Yeah, from Lost. That was kind of when she came into the public consciousness. Um, let's see. Um, <laughs> public consciousness. Yeah. No, I mean, it was. That's no, you're she became right. a known quantity. So yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but, of course, uh, one of her, her first... Um, Start, her her first big role was in the Lizzie McGuire movie, as I'm sure we're all aware. <laughs> <laughs> she was also in Freddy vs. Jason, White Chicks, The uh, Hurt Locker. Oh, my God. White I just Chicks watched White Chicks terrifying. the other day. Yeah. Oh, Are you kidding me? White Chicks oh, is, a, is a terrifying fever <laughs> dream. It is. It's scary as it's shit. Interesting. <laughs> it was, it was yeah, a, that's yeah. a kind word. Oh, she... <laughs> She, let's see, she was, uh, she was the elf love interest to the dwarf in the Hobbit series. Yeah. <laughs> uh. she, she was, when she took that role, she was promised there was no love triangle. And when she returned for reshoots, the entirety of reshoots were the love triangle. Right. I, I have such a a complex relationship with the Hobbit portion of the Lord of the Rings universe because, oh my God. I've only seen the first two. I have no interest in seeing the third one. I can't make it through one. I, I fall asleep every time. Yeah. I was never sober watching the first two. The, oh, I've tried it in every combination. I just can't. Of, of the Hobbit specifically or any of the Middle Earth movies? Any of them. I, I am a gigantic fan of the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Um, well, see, The Hobbit's the only one that I read, so uh, I didn't read mm. any of the others. Um, what about the cartoon? Did you guys watch that as a little kid? The Hobbit cartoon I yeah, watched back a one. lot yeah. as a kid. I loved that one, yes. That yeah. was scary. Yes. Oh, God, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> it's good. Yeah, it was really good. Um, I did, so there is, there exists online for those that care to find it in not exactly legitimate means, a three hour book only cut of the Hobbit films. That's, I, I, I recommend watching that over the actual three Hobbit movies. There were three? There were three. They made three Hobbit movies. Yes. <laughs> for for yep. like a 200 page book. Yes. Well, yeah, the Battle of Five, Ar Five Armies is an entire movie. And in the book. We don't see Bilbo's it. Bilbo's asleep. In the book, yeah. Bilbo gets knocked unconscious and we don't yeah. even see it. <laughs> see, that's from my point of view. It was told from CCPOV. Yeah. Um, I try to watch. <laughs> Wake up later. I try to watch the original Lord of the Rings trilogy extended editions at least once a year. Um, I, I, fuck, I love those movies. I just love them. I watched Fellowship during Thanksgiving and it was a treat. It was incredible. Oh, I, I could see why people love them. I, yeah. I'm not an indicator of anything. <laughs> Um, uh, Corey Stoll is uh, often uh, confused with the <laughs> that yeah, other guy. Yeah, Corey. I always mix him and the Punisher up. Oh, that's that guy's name. Oh, yeah, I can see they've Walking got some Dead. facial stuff. The hair, is, yeah, Barenthal. Yeah, yeah, the Not hair though. Way. The hair, <laughs> I think, is the hair is a big thing. Yeah, but Corey Stoll, um, I know him best from House of Cards. The, the House of Cards. The he first, was really good on the that. first three seasons that weren't awful. Um, before we knew how awful Kevin Spacey was, too. Yeah, they're like, I love the way he plays this scumbag. Yeah, <laughs> he's a scumbag. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Um, let's see. Corey Stoll. He was in. 
He had parts in Lucky Number Slevin, which is, I don't think it's tossed around enough. That's a pretty good movie. Um, he was, oh my God. We saw, oh my God, we saw him in Push. I forgot about that. Ooh. I forgot. And I he was. I don't remember him in that. Yeah, he, uh, he played a. Uh, he was he was one of the agents. Oh. Um. Oh yeah. Yeah, he was in the Born Legacy. Yeah, that was like hunting Chris Evans down yeah. for like years and years, and then they find him, and then they just bounce and leave him in his apartment. Yeah, they're like, oh well, bye. All right, well we found you. So you, uh, all right, <laughs> yeah, have a good one. He's good. All, he's also in the upcoming Spielberg West Side Story. Um. So. Hmm. I heard that's really good. I I heard it is too. I I'm trying to remember the last Spielberg movie I saw that was like genuinely great. There's been plenty in the last 20 years ish that have been good and fine, but the last truly yeah. great Spielberg movie was it was it was it Schindler's? Was that the last great one? Yeah, I, I mean Jurassic Park. That was the same year as Schindler. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I think you're. What you don't you don't like the War of the Worlds Saving movie Pri- starring Tom Cruise? That was that one was. <laughs> Saving Private Ryan was after Schindler. Oh, that's right, Private Ryan. Uh, that might be it. Yeah. No, but you're right as far as the scope of you know what he was known for. Yeah, I'm just trying to. Is he's been past his prime for longer than he was? You know. I'm pretty he's sure. I his money. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I watched. I don't know if it was Spielberg production or Spielberg movie that was just on. With um, Susan Sarandon, it was like it was just on Netflix. It's a brand new movie, hmm. and at the hmm. end, it said Steven Spielberg, which was surprising. But it was just a, a really um, heartfelt movie about um, she's dying or she's di- she's dead, and she left her son a list of things to do. Uh, and oh, it was yeah, right. And it was just, it, but it said Spielberg at the end, so it was it was really cute. And I watched it like you know quickly. Like I then, think he probably produced it or his production company. I don't think there's been a Spielberg streaming anything yet, right? No, no, because he's so like theaters, theaters, theaters. Right. Yeah. I don't think he's actually made anything. Yeah. Um, but his name gets attached. Anything. If he shows up to a meeting, he gets a producer credit. Uh, yeah, absolutely. You know? If he shows up to to a bar mitzvah, he gets a producer credit. <laughs> yes, he is a kingmaker for sure. Um, yeah. So, all right. We have Bobby Carnival, not Carnival. Um, I like him a lot. Yeah, he's our, uh, um, what was it? Jim Paxton, uh, the dad, the stepdad. Um, he's, let's see, he was on Third Watch, Boardwalk Empire, Will and Grace, uh, Mr. Robot, Master and Nun, a lot of TV stuff. I feel like more TV he's than great movie. in Mr. Robot. Yeah. He's one of my favorite uh, members of the cast in Mr. Robot. He is an enigmatic, weird dude. Yeah, he is. Yeah, he he's... Done a lot of independent movies, I think, right? Or independent Yeah, stuff. he was in the station He's from the agent. actor studio, I think. You know, like he came from that school. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, he did. Oh, wow. He was in Snakes on a Plane. <laughs> uh, <laughs> did, did he really play a snake? He played, a snake. <laughs> he played the plane. <laughs> <laughs> now, he played that funny, that funny Pringles can tube that the snakes came out of. <laughs> and he was, in, the tube. he was in Paul Blart Mall Cop. Um, <laughs> who wasn't though right Michael Great Payton cast. yeah <laughs> well it's Paul Blart <laughs> um, Michael Pena as Luis uh, Michael Pena God, whoa. he's God, he was, he was forced in... to play the cholo he's brilliant but 
We saw him in Gone in 60 Seconds, right? Yes. Wasn't that? Uh, yes. Yeah. Yes, he was that in was that. was the first time we saw him. Um, yeah. He's uh, such a great actor. His first his first credited film role was in My Fellow Americans, which is which I saw in the theater <laughs> with, yeah. with Josh, Joshua McJunkin. Um, yeah. Which one was that, though? That was um, the James Garner. And James Jack Garner. Lemon? Yeah, because uh, James Garner and uh, Jack Lemmon, because um, apparently Walter wow. Matthau was dying at the time. <laughs> but um yeah um my you're all apparently <laughs> well i mean it was, it was clearly a walter Matthau role that james garner stepped into but so yeah has, of course yeah but um what was funny it was like josh mcjunkin went inside alone and liked it so much he was like you have to come see this with me and so it was his yeah. second theater viewing of my fellow Americans. he liked it a lot well, that was the only way we could back then, man. I know. Couldn't, you know, couldn't stream or steal. Yeah, you could steal, but it was all. It was hard. You had to like find a guy. <laughs> yeah, you had to find a guy selling a videotape. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And uh, yeah. So gone in sixty seconds. Um. Battle Los Angeles. Lincoln Lawyer. Tower Heist. And to watch. You know, it's Michael Pena. We know who he is. Um. Ti as Dave. <laughs> um. Tip Harris is his real name. I guess that's where the T.I. comes from. Um, but mostly known as a rapper, of course. Um, he's... What other movies has T.I. done? Let's see. Um, oh, he was an urban legend. Um, hmm. Oh, wait, no. He released an album called Urban Legend. <laughs> <laughs> Same difference. <laughs> I'm sorry, that was funny. Um, he was also in oh, pop star, never stop stopping. That movie's amazing. Um, what? Never stop stopping. Pop star. So never stop stopping. Yes. Is so that a will stop? Show? Right. That, it's a lo- that, it's a lonely island movie. Never oh, stop right. stopping is telling you to stop. Yes. Right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Okay. I'm like sorry. I just stop. Hung up on that double negative there. <laughs> Triple negative. Um, I'm confused still. <laughs> uh, we had, uh, let's see, uh, Wood Harris played uh, um, the Paxton's partner. Um, Judy Greer, the effervescent Judy Greer is Maggie. Dude, um, she had, I just, Wood Harris f- from The Wire. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was... Uh, um, Judy Greer, who's Shit. been in a gazillion things, she's kind of wasted in this, but she got a paycheck. Um, but oh god, she's amazing in uh, Arrested Development. Arrested Development, yeah, Kitty, I think. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, yeah, her boobs. <laughs> like, it's up. My eyes are up here, Michael. <laughs> um, I, I kept closing my eyes to hear. Uh, Cheryl Tunt. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Marcher. Um, yeah. Or Charlene. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. What yeah. was her she's other done name? Some voice acting. Yeah. She's done a fair amount of voice acting. She's done. She's in. She's been in like 35 like streaming series over the last 10 years. Like she's in every other streaming series. Um, But yeah, she, Jesus. Sorry, I just want to say it was driving me nuts. Wood Harris was Avon Barksdale in The Wire. That was mm. Yes, that was it. Yeah. 
Stringer Anyways. Bell and Avon. That's right. Okay. Uh, let's see. We had. I can see it in your eyes, Josh. That it was. Still I've been thinking it. about it since. Yeah, I'm sitting here going. What the fuck? Yeah, Barksdale. Yep. Uh, um, let's see. Uh, David Dest- Destmalchian as Kurt, um, the other dude in in uh, the, Louis's the thickest accent. Yeah, he yeah. ever in the MCU up until we get to Forrest Whitaker. Yeah, and he's an American. Like the actor's an American. Um, he's in Suicide Squad most recently, right? Yes, as uh, the the polka dot man. Polka dot man. Yeah. yeah. Um, he was also in The Dark Knight. Um, yes. He is in a bunch of uh, Denise Villeneuve's films. Um, Blade Runner 2049. He was in Dune. So. Um, and Mr. Michael Douglas as Hank Pym. Is, mm-hmm. We've had him on this before, right? I, I remember talking about Michael Douglas, but I cannot remember what movie we saw him in. Yeah, he was a guest on one of our first episodes, right? Yeah, he was here. Um, um, it must have been a monthly movie, right? I'd imagine this so. His first foray into, into superhero. I can't remember what it was, but he was in something. We talked about him at some point. Spawn! <gasps> Michael Douglas no. was in Spawn? Oh, no, no way. That was Martin Sheen. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. Um, I think... Yeah. I think um, Andrea's she she's a couple minutes behind us. I think she's probably talking about David Desk Mulchian. Oh, maybe. Um, um uh so Michael God, what did we see Michael Douglas in? I guess I could just So my favorite him. Michael Douglas movie ever is The Game. That's a oh my god, that movie is so good. I love that movie. That movie is that movie so still trips me out. Good. Still trips me out. Yeah. Um yeah. I my my personal favorite is still falling down because that movie is insane. It's just yeah. hard to watch. It's intense. <laughs> it, it it is. It is insane. It, yeah. It makes no sense. Yeah. But I love watching it. Oh, I remember we talked about Michael Douglas producing something. He was a producer on something we watched. It was a monthly movie. I can't remember what it was though. Um, him and Danny DeVito produced. What was it? Oh, oh, it was Face Off. They produced Face Off. Oh. Michael. They Doug- did. Michael Douglas wow. produced Face Off. That's why we were talking about him. Yeah. That is so funny because that's like one of my first notes in this is like the prison that they're in is clearly the prison from face up. It's, it's not San Quentin. <laughs> Do you remember the prison from face off? Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just big steel rooms. Uh, the, the future screens. prison with the boots and yeah. Yeah. Yes. So, all right. So that's, that's the one that's basically our cast there. That brings us to the end of the production. Uh, it's got 83% on rotten tomatoes. Um, and, uh, yeah, guys, you ready to, uh, go ahead and jump into this movie. Yes. I'm still alive. <laughs> Here we go. This is Ant-Man. We open on a secret shield facility in 1989 Tony Stark, Peggy Carter, and another dude. Howard Stark. Howard Stark. I'm sorry. Howard Stark, Pe- it, Peggy was, Carter. Was was this a secret shield facility or was this the Triskelion? I oh, thought this was the Triskelion. It was the Triskelion, wasn't it? Yeah, it was uh, the Triskelion in early phases of construction. Yeah. Yeah. Which, oh, which we what saw destroyed. That? We see it destroyed in the Winter Soldier. Yeah. So this is the first like future Easter egg thing that they're kind of setting up. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. And another guy who's clearly evil. Um, Mitchell Carson yeah, is the just, character's name. Um, yeah, they're confronted by Hank Pym for trying to steal his secret formula. 
I assume for Krabby Patties. Um, (laughs) His 11 herbs and spices. Yeah. (laughs) He gets mad. He threatens them. He punches Mitchell Carson for bringing up his dead wife. Dude. Yeah. 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 Uh, We cut. I think there's a lot of pent up rage. I think that dude just sort of. Yeah. Well, and we see him smash his face into the table, which sets up one of my favorite bit jokes in this movie. But it also shows us that Hank Pym is a violent person. Yeah. He's violent. Which leans into temper. Yeah. Which leans into his character from the comic books. We don't see. wife beating Hank Pym in the MCU, but it is hinted at that like mm. strongly that, that that is a possibility of his like character, Yeah, I which mean, is cool. We don't see that from Tony or anybody really that they're like, could be evil, like do some really heinous shit. Yeah. Or to like, like you said, or to zero in on the foibles, like Tony Stark was a really bad alcoholic and they, they hinted at that as well, but they didn't make it a defining they sort yeah. of ignored that aspect of Tony Stark. Yeah. Well, they, yeah. They replaced the addiction with all of all, to alcohol with the addiction for creating new suits. Basically. Yeah. Right. Technology. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and and I mean Hank Pym, they definitely don't go into wife beating by the time we're we're casting Michelle Pfeiffer and as Janet. Oh yeah. No. So um, that's good because it would be nearly impossible <laughs> to root for this character then. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Which in the comics, it is impossible to root for Hank Pym ninety percent of the time mm-hmm. because it is constantly brought up at every turn. Yeah, well, yeah, and we, it's yeah, we don't want that. Um, so, um, all right. So, uh, let's see. We get the Marvel logo. We meet uh, Scott Lang. He's being let out of prison. He gets picked up by his friend Louis, Luis, who he met inside. They go to Luis's room at a halfway house. Scott gets a job and immediately fired from Baskin Robbins. This is the first time we see the West Coast in the MCU. This is the first time anywhere oh, wow. besides the East Coast has existed. No, didn't Tony MCU. live on the? What, didn't Tony live in California? Oh, oh that's true. Yeah, he lives in Malibu. You're right. You're right. Damn, I completely forgot. No, about but Malibu. as a setting, yeah, yeah. Maybe so. Um, it's yeah, our- um, Paul Rudd would not survive in prison. I just want everyone. To- <laughs> no, he's the sexiest man alive. <laughs> yeah, that is a pretty man, but he has to be jumped out as well. Yeah, but I like how they uh, established that Luis was a good puncher because he's the only guy who ever knocked out Peachy. Oh, Peachy. that's yeah, yeah, that's good. Um, and then he knocks out several people at the end. This is an extreme. He knocks out at least four people in this yeah, movie. He does, um, but that's right. That's good. I didn't even realize that. Yeah, they set that up really early. It's a really good script. It's really tight. I mean, it was written by four dudes who are very good at writing scripts. So, um, yeah. Uh, at home, Scott meets Luis's friends Dave and Kurt. Find out that Scott went to prison for doing a Robin Hood style heist by giving a bunch of money back to people that was stolen from them by a shady CEO. Uh, they want him to do another job with them, but he tells them he's going straight. He's going to do it for his daughter. Uh, meanwhile, mm-hmm. meanwhile, at Pym Tech, Hank Pym. No, we forgot to mention that Baskin Robbins always Fired him. finds out. Yeah. yeah. They always find out. Yeah. Baskin Robbins don't play. No. Nope. Because <laughs> they've got your birthday. It was a cool crime. 
<laughs> yes. Well, I, I think it's funny that um, so we get we get some pretty heavy Pepsi and Baskin Robbins product placement in this movie. But of course, the most blatant product placement is for uh, Pym Technologies. <laughs> uh, or when oh, they're in well, Times Thomas Square. Tank Engine. Yes, That's true. All yeah. that Thomas money. I noticed in the uh, in the credits there was like a big there's like a paragraph about the rights to Thomas the Tank Engine. I'm sure there is. What yeah, was I'm up sure. with all of that? Did someone like have something against Thomas the Tank? I was like, was there like a, a, a well. Is there, yeah, something I was missing on that one? I think it's, it was. The, it's a publicly, it's a public no. television show, right? Isn't it? But well, British. It was British and it aired yeah. on public television here. Um, I think, I don't know. Um, like they mentioned the whatever company owns the rights to Thomas's Tank Engine in the paragraph, which I briefly scanned. Um, well, I mean, we were kind of talking uh, off air about the comparisons to Solo. Um, I think they want the recognizability, <laughs> that's a word, of Thomas, but then also they got to do a train heist fight scene. Do you yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, You know, yeah. which is so yeah. f- fun in movies, and they kind of twisted it and turned it by making it a toy train, and yeah, I think it was a combo gotcha. of the two. Yeah, absolutely. Because I can't think of any other trains with a face. Shiny Time Station, that was a regular train. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, yeah, that was... <laughs> That was wasn't that Thomas? I know the original yeah, was... steam engines all had cute little faces on the eighteen hundreds. But yeah, no, we were t- actually we yeah we were talking off air about its um, similarities to Solo and like having the auteur director um, be removed really close to uh, to production or within production. Um, it's it's it is funny how this is generally considered fine. And Solo was a gigantic failure when I think they were both perfectly good movies. I agree. But as Brian said off air, Han Solo and Ant-Man, they're not on the same level as far as fandom and love for. Yeah. No. Growing up, one of my friends had a line. (laughs) Right. Which is shut up, Janet, or (laughs) shut up, Janet. My 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 friend, I remember growing up uh, in Yuma, a friend John cut that was like 10 feet tall of a comic book character that we did not know who it was with the reins to two ants standing on two ants. And we would spend many nights drinking going, what the fuck is that? Mm. Is that ant, ant something? That's got to be a bug man <laughs> something. And now watching the movie, I'm like, holy crap, that's been Ant-Man all along. We we had no idea who this character was. That's how obscure this character was. We had a 10 foot tall Ant-Man one on the wall. Along we the didn't way. know who the hell he was. Yeah. It's yeah. yeah. Whereas Han Solo is, is yeah, has been iconic for decades. So yeah. Um, well, and you know, star Wars fandom in the 21st century is, is, is notoriously awful. Um, and I say that as a yeah, Star Wars It's almost fan. a religion. Yeah. Yes, for sure. Yeah, it is. A sectarian religion, I should say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so anyways, uh, at Pym Tech, Hank Pym shows up. We meet his daughter, Hope Van Dyne, his ex-protege, Darren Cross, uh, who's revealing that he's completed a weaponized shrinking suit that replicates Hank's research. Hank would never give the technology to Darren. Darren resented him for it. 
Also, Darren thinks that Hank and Hope are estranged, but they're secretly not. Uh, Darren hasn't yet figured out how to shrink organic material. Hank wants him to give up the research. There are several representatives there from different military uh, contingencies that are interested in the technology. They start giving him offers right off the bat. Yeah. And there's the one guy who's like, it's too dangerous. I'm not going to do it. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hank and Hope begin secretly planning to stop Darren. Hope wants to use Hank's old suit, but Hank won't let her. He says it's too dangerous. And he says he found a guy who can wear it. I mean, if you actually had that tech, I mean, it would be priceless, right? Like some dude, oh. the, the one dude goes over to him. He's like, I'll give you 20% over asking price. Ooh, there's no, I don't know. Yeah. I, that's a bidding war. I would just keep riding. It's yeah, no, it is the, it would be the most valuable technology on earth. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. It would be a blank check you could, situation. You could put a shipping container in your pocket or you could fill a shipping container with shipping containers. Yeah. Shipping Which, containers. Speaking of pockets, why doesn't he keep that in a special case or something? The gun that he uses in the restroom on that guy. <laughs> right. Well, and this, Do you know what I mean? Right. Like yeah. what happens if you accidentally shoot yourself with that thing? Well, what happens if pocket. you accidentally shoot yourself with any gun? <laughs> yeah, you know. Um, yeah, you turn into a little snot glob on the floor. Yeah, well, I mean, either way, it's bad. <laughs> like getting, getting shot by anything. Oh, but, are we listing bad things? Well, no, I'm just saying any gunshot wound is bad. But that one, yes, in particular, is especially I bad. I would have a special case for the thing that turned you into a snot glob. Well, and also what Jude... And for my gun. And for my Jude, gun. Jude brought up the point, like, why isn't he just selling that as a weapon? That's what I'm talking yeah. about, dude. Yeah, like exactly. that, you don't need to perfect shrinking. Just sell that. <laughs> it turns your enemies into little globs. Yeah. I liked how um, when Cross is showing them the, the thing and um, he shows them the footage of uh, Ant-Man. Mm. Yeah. Um, and he says, that's what they used to call you, right, Hank? But what you told me, it was uh, fairy tales. Tales to Astonish. They dropped in the, the Tales mm, to Astonish. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, all right. We uh, cut to... I read um, when they, they did the, the sheep, the lamb thing, that the, <laughs> the, the caterer... Did you read that? The caterer of that day actually served lamb chops. Oh. <laughs> no, I was just laughing in general. Like, I wanted to know where the lamb room was. Where they keep in lamb. this well, building, yeah, and they all, obviously had a room full of lamb. But, <laughs> but, and I mean, I get the reason for the scene is because, like, oh, he's evil; he's killing cute things. But also, well, like, and he hasn't perfected it; like, he doesn't know what he's doing exactly. Yes, 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 that too. But like, also, like, but for using the lamb in particular, lambs have got to be a lot more expensive than mice. That's why people use mice is because they're very cheap. Lisa, um. One of the reasons why mice are used um, is there's tons of them. They're very cheap. They're to cheap. Use. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. And you don't have you don't always lease a building with the lamb room. Yes, <laughs> you can keep mice in easier containers. Uh, so, all right. At uh, Scott shows up at his daughter Cassie's birthday party, where his ex-wife and her new boyfriend uh, Jim Paxton. Jim, John, I don't know. Paxton. I'm just Paxton. <laughs> yeah. He's a cop. He's a cop. Um, they're not happy to see him. He gives it. I love Cassie. Cassie was secretly a really great character for a little girl. <laughs> like for. Yeah. What's usually, She's even better in the next one. 
She really is. Yeah. But like in this one, like he's so ugly. I love it. That line was great. Th- that scene and the I hope you don't catch him mm-hmm. were two of the best moments in this entire movie. She was great. That act- little girl actress was great. Um, yeah. The delivery of so many of her lines was pitch perfect. Yeah. Um, we haven't really brought this up. This is I, th- I want to say this is the first Marvel movie with a theme that is strictly parenting and trying to be a good parent. Yeah, I mean, there's hmm. been parent parental things, but it, our heroes have been like mad at their parents. Our heroes themselves yeah. haven't been parents. This is Good yeah the point. first time where we get the like a regret and the like trying to change aspect through both Hank and Scott. Yeah, the father daughter dynamic. Yeah, well, I yeah. want to. What does he say? I want you, to, your daughter, to look at me the way that my daughter used to look at me as a hero. Yeah. That you know that you are, yeah, or that she thinks. Well, well and I love, she knows yeah, yeah, and I, I love, you know, because, um, because Hank Pym definitely, you know, thinks of Scott Lang as kind of an idiot, but also he connects with him on that parent level, like they're both fathers mm-hmm. to daughters, and that, like, they, they have a connection there. Well, and it, we only know that he's been watching Scott, but you can tell that his daughter truly truly adores her father mm-hmm. whereas janet doesn't want anything to do with her father it's just a relationship hope. of convenience or yeah hope sorry yeah well i think she, yeah she's um you know you've been burned by the stove you're sort of cautious you know i'm yeah. sure he was even worse when he was a younger yeah i'm sure he was a bad man, father Hank, that is when she was young absolutely yeah absent at best yeah at best so, um, all right. So he leaves. Uh, but he also chose Scott for his altruism. Like yeah. The nature of his crime. I'm yeah. sure that's what caught Hank's eye. Absolutely. Like, who would do that? Yeah. That's how he came to his attention for sure. Um, so, uh, yeah, he, he leaves the uh, birthday party quickly <laughs> after giving his daughter a gift. Judy Greer wants him to leave his life a crime and start paying child support. He's not allowed to see his daughter until he does. Um, at Pimtech, Darren kills a guy. <laughs> <laughs> the dude in the bathroom. Um, then has yeah. dinner with Hope. Uh, they discuss how much he hates Hank Pym. Um, they cut to Scott. Realizes he's not going to be able to see Cassie until he pays child support and he can't get a job. So he ends up going back to crime. He tells Luis he's in on the job. Luis explains to him there's a safe in an old man's house and the old man is out of town. They put a plan into action. Luis and his guys monitor Scott. They help cut the alarm. He breaks in to the basement, into the safe. He only finds what he thinks is a motorcycle suit, and he ends up taking it with him. He demonstrates how clever he is. Um, yeah. With the, the fingerprint, the, the ad hoc fingerprint mold. Yeah. And, right. Uh, freezing the safe well this is great well i mean they set up everything running this is a really great script they set up so many things just like on the ball running with it like he um um we learn that he's tough by his fight um in the uh prison we learn that he's agile and is like has athletic abilities in this whole thing where he climbs the wall and jumps over the fence we learn how inventive he is like they they show us everything to make it believable that this guy could be a superhero yeah yeah mm-hmm. with the heart yeah exactly yeah. exactly 
Um, so because only only beautiful white guys are conflicted when they get out of prison. If you have immigrant or people of color <laughs> friends, there are they went right back to crime as soon as <sighs> as soon as jump. Yeah, yeah it, I mean that. Okay, that's a little rough. I wish this was directed by a person of color, but I'll just let Sorry. that go. There's nothing overt in the script, but it's just like an immigrant, a black guy, a, a chillo. And then Paul Rudd. Yeah. And yeah. Paul Rudd's really trying to make a good go of it and go legit. And, you know, he right. can't get a break. This beautiful white guy just can't get a break anywhere. Baskin Robin. Right. Well, yeah, and also, I just love that you keep calling Paul Rudd a beautiful white guy. <laughs> <laughs> He's not the poster child for probation. He's not the poster child for. Uh, right. Yeah, I well, know. and I, I mean, I know that textually, like his anchor is because he has a child and the others don't. But you're right. <laughs> you're right. It does. It plays that oh, way. Something to, to me, consider too is he's he's positive until he loses his first job, and they all have been through the ringer of trying to find work, and they have the experience of being about. ex-cons at that point. The yeah, well, and, and less, doesn't need to be thrown in there, but it, that's what I'm talking about. He's he's freshly naive out of prison. Like I have a master's degree. Not not to defend the writing of this because you're right. It is there's a lot of tropes that are happening, but but I can see what they were intending. Is like these guys, you know, it's not that they're hardened criminals. This is literally the only way they can. I love how yeah, and I love how they threw that in. I have a master's degree in electrical engineering. I'm like we, why didn't you just say PhD? <laughs> Right. Got to dumb it down. Got to dumb yeah, right? it down. Bring him a little bit more um, relatable, right? Because he's got a master's instead of a PhD in yeah. electrical engineering. It, well, he'd be Dr. Lang at that point. Yeah, he would. <laughs> um, so, all right. Um, <laughs> so, Scott tries the suit on. He accidentally shrinks. Uh, Hank starts talking to him over the suit's headset, tells him he has to figure out how to use the suit. Scott has some adventures throughout the building and then finally is able to make himself big again. Uh, he returns the suit and gets arrested on the way out by Paxton. Um, Hank visits Scott in jail, pretending to be his lawyer. He tells him he can help him, but Scott will have to follow his instructions. He reveals he let Scott steal the suit. Uh, Hank... His his uh, first foray into smallness was pretty great, um, especially when he fell on the the record player at the rave, yeah, and caused the needle to skip, yeah, which yeah, caused the music to to bump to that uh, in time too. Uh, that to, was lucky. into the right, yeah, the crowd right spot, it. yeah. Like, the, he bumped it right into the drop, yeah, yeah, but. Uh, and it's funny when he's on the floor of the rave, though. I was just thinking to myself, like, he's just running through so much ecstasy water. <laughs> he, has <no laughs> he has no idea how much MDMA is running through. Um, is, so these shots, these these macro shots, it's interesting. I, I just We were talking about it beforehand. They used big lenses to shoot small things to give them that scale. So when they then imposed a, you know, a figure on, on the image, on the composite image, it looks like he is that size and it's what, and it's what it would look like from that size, which I think they did such a great job of. I, I was, I was reading this, uh, this interview with Peyton Reed and the, the interviewer goes like, you know, when a director starts talking about vocal length and all this stuff, you start thinking like, man, they're going to miss the reason why we watch movies, which is to be entertained, basically. 
but the fact that they captured that and the technical aspect and really roped it all in and, and kept it in control the whole time is is impressive. There's there's not a lot like Honey well, I Shrink the Kids doesn't look or feel like this. No, at all. No, and it that's yeah, and that's because they. <laughs> I mean, you know, the technology of the time was what it was. Yeah. But yeah, somehow it feels like one of the least computerized Marvel movies. I don't know how, you know, because obviously it's all animated. He's tiny, 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 but it didn't feel as animated as some movies even after. No, it it didn't feel it didn't feel as um like it didn't feel as cartoony as like Ultron even did with like all of the flying right. Ultrons, which I mean, it was great special effects, but it also you but know. it seemed like them. It, these were, yeah. seemed not noticeable, and it's funny to say. So it must have been stuff like you were saying, Brian. You know, like it was smart for him to switch up lenses instead of just waiting for animation to take care of it. Absolutely. Yeah. They, he, he mentioned trying to avoid the Pixar look, which I think it, Age of Ultron really had that. Yeah, it did. Yeah. It, and you know 3D. what? 3D. At this point, that kind of like weightless 3D puppet flying around explosion fest God, I'm finding it. What is that? Can I get tickets? (laughs) Uh, I'm finding it so boring at this point, especially on our 112th movie. Which, (laughs) yeah, you know, that's why. But wait, there's more. (laughs) Like, yeah, it's just boring the hell out of me. Just like weightless CGI puppets flying around and like exploding each other. Um, Yeah. The the turtles one was the one that put me over the edge because that was just Michael Bay awfulness. Yeah, that was, te- but that's a good point. I'm, yeah, just tennis ball. I'm so glad we're not doing around. Transformers. Uh, I was thinking Transformers where you guys are talking about this because that's exactly what it reminds me of. It was just so Pixar looking, you know, mm-hmm. and so just like you said, just these, yeah. It, even the Lego movies are better than because that's actually cartoon, you know, yeah, but, as opposed yeah. to trying to make it look like. It's reality. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I, I think they. I think this, something. Oh, oh go no, ahead. No, you good, Brian? Go ahead. I, I was gonna say I think they, as far as like making the comparisons of the Transformers, the frames that we saw of these, you know, the otherworldly aspect of being very small, they were simple. There's not a lot of complex stuff that's happening. Yeah, they. It keeps they your really focus on Ant Man. Yeah, yeah. Even though he is tiny on the screen makes me uh, we haven't talked about the poster the Mm. single poster of ant-man where he is less than an inch tall on the movie poster and Mm. it just says ant-man underneath and it's all again yeah yeah it's all white it's a brilliant thing of of marketing like we see that throughout this movie and they they were able to capture that scale and size in a way that we didn't lose where he was on screen Mm. at any point which is saying a lot yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think that's why the showdown at the end is so important. They could just do a lot of, yeah, we'll get there. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, all right. Uh, but yeah, you're right. It wasn't like, oh, look, there's a million dollar thimble that they spent all this money to computer animate. You're right. There wasn't a lot of that shit. It was Ant-Man. That's what you were following. Well, yeah. yeah. They did the, and the, I well. mean, that's something I super appreciated about this film, too, is like, I wonder how much of the storyboard was um, left over from um, uh, uh, Edgar Wright. Edgar Wright, because it's very visually stunning, 
It's very visually interesting, and it feels a lot like him. I mean, I know Peyton Reed is a perfectly good um, director and is perfectly capable of like creating interesting shots, but um, a lot of it felt Edgar Wrighty. A lot of the uh, framing. And I'm wondering, you know, he, he got super far into this. He had storyboards, I'm sure. I'm wondering how many of the shots were lifted from those mm-hmm. because a lot of the shots of him tiny looked great and looked very interesting. You know, I, I don't, this is just my guess, but I would say up through the heist, the first heist mm-hmm. was probably mm-hmm. largely taken from the Edgar Wright uh, screenplay. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, that whole thing, that whole part of the movie feels like it. Once we get into Hank's house and that whole part, we're introduced to the technology. That's where it starts to feel more like the cut and paste Marvel introduction to a yeah. new mm. superhero kind of thing. Yeah, once you're in the lab, yeah. Yeah, agreed. And that's con- what, like, I'm sorry. I was going to say the confusion feels like Edgar Wright in the first half of the movie. I noticed a difference between the first half, like the first 50 minutes. All of a sudden, it kind of changed up a little bit so i had wondered now that we're discussing that the the change of writers and he dropped off the project if that's what uh, ended up happening in the movie because i felt that action to the previous stuff yeah and as i was saying it took me three times to watch the beginning and then finally and then it changed and i was like had to get into the action stuff to get prepared for what was coming up yeah the moment we lose the the dingbats is when the tone of the movie shifts. Absolutely. And then it, the moment we get, no, not those dingbats, and they're back. Yeah. It's like it's like those those parts of the movie were the same, but the big middle chunk introducing Hank Pym and his backstory and training Scott. And training Scott, yeah. Yeah. That became, I don't want to say studio meddling, but it felt like the studio had like a lot of things that they really needed to drive home for his character. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a good point. And we were talking about, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of uh, texture to the first half, you know, him and daughters and fathers and, you know, mm-hmm. technology and military meddling and shit. And then, yeah, then it flips the switch and becomes a Marvel movie. Yeah, Action. absolutely. Like that. Yeah. The middle, yeah. The middle chunk, definitely. But it's, I did appreciate that the end didn't have a sky beam. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, or any any like end of the world level kind of stuff like i i right. really appreciated that at this point um so all right uh let's see uh so yeah hank helps scott break out of prison he ends up passing out um and falling from an ant he wakes up in hank's house hank and hope explain to scott that he uh, Hank was Ant-Man. He wants Lang, uh, Scott to become the new Ant-Man to help steal the yellow jacket suit from Cross uh, because blah, blah, blah. It's going to make stuff bad. Um, once he does, um, Hank's going to help clear Scott's record and give him some money so that he can uh, see Cassie. That's uh, his motivation for helping out. Uh, then, back at home, we find out that... Um, that uh, Paxton's after Scott for escaping jail. Uh, Darren finally is able to shrink a, shrink a lamb. Hope goes to Hanks and tells him about it. So they begin training and we get what is essentially a 30 minute training montage in the middle of the film. Yeah, it was one of the longer ones we've had. It, it was a big chunk. I could on doing my notes on my second watch through. I literally just wrote we get a training montage and then. Skipped through 30 minutes. Agreed. 
And the best part is yeah. when he wakes, I think the, one of the best parts when he wakes up is um, when he says like, whose pajamas are these? Yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then the ants separating um, as he walks through the room. Those, those, that was a cool little scene yeah, right that there. And then, like, yeah. And then 30 minutes of training. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And learning about ants. And learning about yeah. ants. Yes, we got a Which prime. was kind of cool that they did that, though. You know. Yeah. Identified the different uh, qualities. What if he, I, you know, I, it's like. But Peter. the crazy ants weren't real. Oh, they are, actually. They uh, are? They don't conduct electricity, but um, the species that they say, Paratrachina longicornis, are black crazy ants. Hmm. Whereas the raspberry colored crazy ants are Nylandaria fulva. There are some um, um, etymologists Thanks. out there who are very angry at this movie. Um, by the way, the, the raspberry crazy ants are, they are attracted to electrical equipment. Um, hmm. We don't really know why, but they don't conduct electricity. Interesting. Also I wonder, delicious in this movie. Or any more than I wonder if that's something to do with like um, uh, uh, navigation and you know Earth's magnetic fields, what have you. You mean their olfactory nerves? <laughs> <laughs> I, I I kid, but I I really enjoyed how they just one they one lined away Hank being like, oh yeah, you know electrical signals, their olfactory nerve. That's yeah. how I talk yeah. to the ants. Super, uh, Next yeah. scene. Yeah, that's yeah. The ticket. it worked it's though. God, you guys didn't know that. <laughs> no, that's yeah. Like, I love that about comic books. That and the and the it reduces the space between atoms. Yeah, no like, explanation. <laughs> the quantum bing, 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 boom, done. Yeah, a relative atomic <laughs> distance. Yeah, between yeah, yeah, we, like we all have so many questions, but in the movie, like while he's explaining it, while it's happening, I'm like, yeah, that's sure. fine. It's okay. fine. So that's why. And I'll, that's why the montage is a little it. bit longer because it's like, oh, Spider-Man, we know his powers and we know how he got them. And, you know, I, this movie was introducing a lot of the world to Ant-Man. So, yeah, take a little longer to explain all these. You can control I, I'm ants. glad they did it. Because if they hadn't big. said those things and, and said it in the way that they did it, we would still be like, how does so he does do he, it? How does he control I was confused growing up even ants. in the comics because, yeah, he was giant man so often, but like, that's Ant-Man. Like, but he's huge. It was confusing even in the comics. <laughs> I don't. Well, think you I know, until I read the end of the comic book. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right. Um. Then we get the. They need the. They need the MacGuffin thingy from the Avengers facility in New York, which they don't know is in the Avengers facility. Um. A, a detour from a detour in this movie. I'm not mad about it, but it's just it. <laughs> I, I holy crap! I have yeah. a feeling that this is the scene that particularly made Edgar Wright lose his goddamn mind at Marvel, <laughs> because this well, is one hundred percent. We need to connect it to the rest of the Marvel universe. That's what I was going to say. Mm. Yeah. Well, and this could have been, this could have been any other Avenger. This could have been. Uh, honestly, I think it should have been the Incredible Hulk, but that's oh, just me. That, that would have been, been a really fun huh. sequence. That would have been fun. They and actually. They did marketing together with the Incredible Hulk and Ant-Man for Coca-Cola, I think. Hmm. And it and it made me think like, oh, is he going to be in this movie? That'd be really neat. And seeing Falcon instead, I was immediately like, oh, we have an Avenger at home, I guess. Like, yeah. you know, we don't get any of the fun ones. <laughs> no, it was the newest, like most like, oh, I guess he's an Avenger. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, the lowest stakes, you know. Mm -hmm. But also, I well, think... Well, at this 
At this point, after Ultron, it would have been either Falcon or Scarlet Witch, um, Black Widow, or Cat. Those are the only four. And Vision. And Vision, right. Right, yeah. Yeah. Hulk, obviously, is in space. He wasn't there, but that would have been... But um, yeah, no, it would have been it. It, it was Sakar. I think I think there was also like we wanted to be an Avenger that we realistically think he could take. Right, that's malleable. Yeah. Like if we don't use him, nobody will remember. But he'll be easy to stick in places. Well, yeah, but but then also like one that like they realistically thought like Ant Man could beat him. <laughs> like yeah. Oh well, there's that yeah. too. Yeah, 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 for sure. Um. So all right then. Um, let's see. After the Avengers thing, um, they, uh, we, he, there's the control disc thing. We find out that Janet disappeared into the quantum realm because she took off her regulator and had to get between the atoms. Um, shrunk herself. Does does titanium really fit that much better than steel? Like, I don't know about the... (laughs) elemental composition it rides up on me <laughs> titanium versus like carbon and iron like but i'm pretty sure you can make them fit pretty close yeah i i don't know the vibe the titanium thing i was like does it have to be titanium because we see that again when when what's his face yellow jacket says it he goes it's titanium and it's like oh ant-man's greatest weakness <laughs> titanium, titanium. <laughs> it's my greatest form so fit too. joints like so in the Marvel universe. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, all right. That night, they're visited by Darren, <laughs> the ghost of Christmas past. Who invites Darren. <laughs> who invites Nothing more intimidating than the name Darren. Right. Darren looks like an SS officer. He does. His jacket and gloves. He looks like he's like, where are the papers? You know, like, dude. <laughs> no, no, no. And the when, when the scene came on, I turned to Jude and I was like, oh, he wore his intimidation jacket. <laughs> yeah. He totally did. Yeah, I don't understand that that decision to make him look that way. He could have just worn a fucking suit. <laughs> yes. He's look he looks mean in a suit. Why do you have to make him look like a goon? Uh, His own goon. Yeah. I'm so confused by this choice. No, this 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 really illustrates the villain issues in Marvel movies because God, he was boring as a villain. <laughs> like the actor yeah. was trying to bring something to it. Like in his acting choices, but it wasn't. He, he but he was more it. sinister when it came to the lambs than anything yeah. with the Ant Man. Well, yeah, you know what I mean. Like he was more of a villain. Like <laughs> there was not much. Well, in and we sp- have that emotional moment where with Hank, where he's like, "Why'd you choose me?" Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. I mean, well, that's a great question to ask, but also like, why are you asking this right now? Right now, <laughs> after all the training, had, like, an adult conversation with your mentor before you and him split ways also you're still in charge of his company i'm so confused about their relationship also you came there to kill him yeah exactly yeah Yeah. we find out later why not shoot him with the goop gun yeah yeah that's not good Uh, yeah well well, he didn't he didn't kill him because the hope was there right but also like he knew somehow which he knew somehow because he saw the papers Rolling, and that implied she was there somehow. But maybe her car was parked out front because she <laughs> seems to park her car right out front of his house when she we see her leave and Scott gets yeah, in the car earlier. That's, that's she the had, thing. Hey, she trying, had plans. 
<laughs> saw yeah. her roll him out. Yeah. But like, no, that she definitely seemed to just park her car in front of the house and he shows up and then they're confused as to how um he uh how does he know? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. So, I yeah, I, I don't I don't like that I, it was revealed later on that he knew. Well, we are led to believe that he doesn't know. It was really like, right. how is she I, not suspicious? Because I 100 knowing. think he just would have killed them both then, rather than only killing him. Yeah. He would have been angry for being betrayed by her in that moment. Yeah. Not like, oh, oh, crap. The game so continues. In, so he's in love with her, right? Uh, uh, I, I think so. I, that's oh, the only wait, thing Darren that, is? Yeah, that's the only thing that really explains his actions towards her. I, yeah. I feel like they don't say it though, because they're avoiding the like. Well, we don't want to turn her into a love object. We need to give her agency. She mm-hmm. can't be the thing that the hero and the villain fight over. That's the only reason why they don't explicitly state it. Well, I, yeah. I thought That's in the, the movie, reason. good for them. Yeah, but yeah, which is a good choice. Maybe it's like a brotherly sister thing, but I don't think so because it was. No, that makes yeah, a lot of sense. Yeah, I mean, I think it was a friend-zone situation. And, but <laughs> she he friended just wasn't, him. <laughs> but he thought they were in cahoots. So that was sort of like, yeah, like we'll work together on these schemes and we'll grow. That the, Him being in love with that, her. There was a lot of that subtext. Hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Andrea um, says he, um, she, like he thought of her as the sister, the neglected children of Hank Pym. That makes a lot of sense. Oh, that's kind of, yeah. And brother. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. Um, so, all right. So then, um, that makes sense. Let's see. They, uh, let's see. Paxton also finds out that Hank Pym was the one posing as Scott's lawyer when he escaped from prison. <laughs> they put their plan. And, Cause if you call the cops in San Francisco, those two dudes show up. Yeah. Those are the only no guys. They're, the crime they're the only just, cops. Yeah. yeah. Well, and when we, when we were getting to the point where it's like helicopters and tanks and stuff, I was like, this is so far outside of like their realm. <laughs> Like we're talking police and Avengers. Um, yeah. Um, so anyways, um, they, uh, they, I guess beg- shield doesn't exist anymore. So that's why they're on their own. That's true. There is no more shield. There's no federal support or something. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's just Nick Fury in a barn somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> waiting for Tony <laughs> to show up to fix the tractor. Um, yeah. <laughs> to be honest, four other people walked in before you. Yeah. So, all right. They put the plan into motion. They infiltrate the building uh, during the big military thing, sabotage the company's servers, plant explosive. Um, Paxton shows up to detain Hank Pym, but the cops get distracted by Dave and Kurt. Um, Scott finally gets into the yellow jacket tube. And uh, he, along with Hank and Hope, are captured by Darren. <laughs> Derek. 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 Darren. 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 By Darren. Darren. <laughs> I didn't couldn't remember if it was the Dominoes or or the guy from Bewitched. Um. So they uh, he intends to sell both the Yellow Jacket and Ant Man suits to Mitchell, who's now working for Hydra. Surprise! Surprise. Uh. I did like the. They're not what they used to be. They're doing some really interesting work. Yeah, they're really coming into their own. We see the Ten Rings guy in the background too. Yeah. Did you guys catch the Ten Rings tattoo on the dude's neck? That was interesting. Yeah. So that's tying this into Iron Man three and the original Iron Man movie, which had 
the Ten Rings symbols. Yeah. Well, uh, but as although, their like terrorist organization. But although this being post Iron Man three, it is technically tying into Shang Chi now. Yeah, they've they've retroactively retconned yeah. that idea. Yeah, so it being anything post Iron Man three, Shang Chi retconned into being <laughs> the actual Ten Rings Shang Chi stuff. But yeah. Um all right, so Darren um shoots Hank a wound which apparently heals <laughs> very quickly. <laughs> he, he shoots him with a gun. Yes, a gun. This gun. man has the goop gun in his pocket, I assume. Because mm, I would yeah. not leave that somewhere or give that to somebody. I would like just rattling around now. with his keys and change. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't even have a holster for it. He grabs somebody else's gun to shoot Hank with. I was like, come on, man. Yeah. Raise the stakes. It's not good. Yeah. But um, so yeah, uh he uh uh Scott escapes, goes after Darren while Hope and Hank escape the building in a tank that Hank smuggled in as a key ring. They implode So we see uh uh Mitchell Carson grab the, the yellow vial mm-hmm. and then we see nothing else of him. Yeah, we need a sequel. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Mm. He's gone. Gone. I love that, you know, the bad guy's serum is yellow. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> Cuz it's a yellow jacket. That's how I know yeah. that he's the bad guy. No, anytime there's dueling serums or pills or anything in these movies, it, it's always different colors that are, match the bad guy's <laughs> motifs. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Uh so they implode the building. Darren puts in the yellow hammer yellow jacket suit to uh fight Scott. They battle first in a helicopter, then through the suburbs. However, just... Well, Scott reveals a thing that we as the audience didn't know, explicitly didn't know. It wasn't just a heist, which I thought was a great reveal before the building implodes. Yes. Because we went through the whole heist thing and we're like, oh, this is a heist movie. The whole thing is a heist. No, Mm -hmm. this is a super high stakes superhero movie. And they destroy everything, and mm-hmm. there's only one part left to destroy. Yeah, and they they show him they show him planting the charges as well. Um, yeah, yeah. And he, he states it out loud. Yeah. Um, I I got a little misty uh, when Antony got shot. Ah. The yeah. the yeah. wing and the single wing. Yeah. Or carpenter, and yeah. it's like you're gonna pay for that. <laughs> <laughs> Why you? Uh, um, so just as Scott is about to take out Darren, uh, Paxton shows up and arrests him. Um, Croc- oh, uh, speaking speaking of the suburbs, I <laughs> loved that aspect. Um, just them dropping out of the sky into a pool, um, and seeing close up the repercussions of the super fights. Yeah, mm-hmm. that was um, I. I that's so much better than them being at like abandoned factories and stuff and things like where fights so yeah. often take place. And right. the, fighting in the sky, like it's the end of the Matrix. Yeah, and the use of sound effects um, when uh, Scott came out of the pool, you just heard that little bloop. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. and um, it was a Sorry. an opportunity to make Yellow Jacket more menacing. 
Do you know what I mean? Because yeah. like uh, up until this point, it had just been him and Scott. So it was just an adversary to mm. Ant-Man. But then they show him in the backyard with this family and they're running literally for their lives. And he does that like almost robotic turn to look at them. Sort yeah. Of. Do you know what I mean? Before that, he was just that Darren dude who messed with lambs <laughs> and dudes in restrooms. And the, uh, the bug yeah. zapper thing was hilarious. Yeah, yeah, it was. That was good. Um, so, all right. Uh, Cross goes to Paxton's house, takes Cassie hostage. They get a call on the police scanner. They rush there. Scott, Scott escapes from the police car. Um, he rushes in to fight Darren. Paxton also goes in and witnesses the battle. Scott realizes he has to shrink down to the quantum realm to get into the yellow jacket suit and disable it. He does that, causing Darren to implode. And Scott goes quantum himself. He goes plaid. Um, he's about to disappear into nothingness. Um, but then he puts one of the enlarging discs into his suits regulator and rebiggins. <laughs> rebiggins. Cassie watches this man completely destroyed and crushed in front of her. Mm-hmm. And then her dad pops back out of him. Yeah. And she's just like, cool. That is traumatizing. <laughs> but she likes ugly stuffed animals, so she'll get over it really quickly. That's yeah, true. she's a tough kid. Yeah, exactly. Kids are get over it. Yeah, kids. But the showdown in her room was perfect. We kind of touched on it. They 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 got to use a lot of tropes without seeming hokey in that scene. Like so, you know, great train robbery kind of thing. Always good for a heist movie. But going through the shag carpeting, you know, yeah. they did. There was a lot of. Honey, I shrunk the kids stuff in the kids' room. Yes. So do you know what I mean? Like so but it didn't yeah. feel like rip offy. It felt more homage. Yes. What was going on in her room. Yeah. It was, I, it was fun. I really enjoyed all of that. Um then um out of gratitude for his heroism, Paxton Paxton lets Scott go. Later, Scott tells Hank about the quantum realm, but he can't remember anything. Hank wonders if his wife may have survived as well. And Scott and Hope do the end of the movie kissing. Uh, Cassie got to keep the messed up looking dog. Yes, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Scott and the family. Do the, do the parents know that she has a giant ant under the table? I would assume so. That's, of course you keep it so, right? That can't be secret. I mean. <laughs> thing well, is I think he's one of the heroes where there's no secret, right? Is no, no, I'm saying the giant, the giant ant. Right. But yeah. Well, no, no, he is I secret. Well, I, no, I don't think anyone knows he's Ant-Man. Okay. Fair enough. Like, oh, at this point, that's right. Yeah, I mean, yeah, later on they might. Kept with uh, with oh. what's his face, Paxton. Yeah, as of right now, but I mean, later on he becomes well known. Um, after Civil War, I think is when that happens. Um, so uh, he's in Rogers the musical. Yeah, exactly. Um, so Scott and the family have dinner together. Paxton helped cover up for Scott to keep him out of prison. Um, because all you have to do to win over your wife's ex is save the world. Yeah. <laughs> or your wife's current uh, husband. Yeah. That's all you got to do. I mean, fair enough. <laughs> That's something. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely not nothing. That's, yeah. He didn't just like bring a good bottle of wine to the house for dinner. Yeah. No. So uh, he gets a call from Luis. Luis tells him a story about how the Falcon is looking for him, and we roll credits. But wait, we get our first. I was gonna say we get our first mention, brief mention of there being a wall crawling character. Yes, yes, yeah. we do get that mention exactly. Um, in the mid credit sequence, Hank reveals the wasp suit to Hope. Then in the after credit <laughs> sequence, 
He's all, I sculpted the breasts myself. That's what I was saying. I was like, good thing, good thing the, good thing her boobs are the same size as her mom's because those are very specific. Yeah, because if you know a female police officer, her flak jackets, the, those always have sculpted boobs. <laughs> like, come on, guys. You can't just put a costume over boobs. Right, that's, uh, Okay. Yeah. There's a there's a great YouTube video talking about women's armor in movies and video games. I think her name's Jill Barrett, but she's like an armorer person, and it's funny to hear her perspective on all the different types and how rarely somebody well, does it right say, at all. In I, my experience, uh, bras are one size fits all. That's what, <laughs> that's my understanding, right? I like. You just put you gotta be like on. Wonder Woman and like the, yep. you know the Amazonian. They just cut off one boob so that way they don't have to. Oh, that way they say money on titanium. Titanium plate. Well, they save money on titanium money. So I like just one boob. I armor. like the idea that in video games they should just change it to like you can either have skimpy or not skimpy. It's not male or female. So like if you're gonna right. wear oh, just yeah. a single chain that goes around the genitals, that's fine. But it's for men yeah. or women. Either one. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. I fully support that. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, in the after credit sequence, we get Cap and Falcon and Bucky. Falcon. We get a scene from... Civil War. Civil, Civil War. War. It's just a scene from is, Civil is War. Is this the first scene from another movie as a post credit scene? Yes. Yeah, but, because chronologically it's out of order. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Well, because Cap finds out in the beginning of Civil War... Right. Well, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's Rumlow that tells him that Bucky's still alive. Well, yeah. Yes. So, I oh, mean, yeah. This, is yeah. Odd, this happens in the midpoint of the movie. Yeah. It's a flash forward. Or, like in the first act. Forward. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Um, and that is the movie. Uh, we got through most of my unanswered questions. I didn't have much. Um, I know there's a yeah. lot of talk online about the tank, how it should have weighed a ton. I, oh, even I, on the keychain? Yeah, I'm like, well, he's got magic shrinking and embiggening serums. Like, I'm sure he figured out a way to make it lighter when it's small. Well, that and how did Thomas the Tank Engine weigh enough to break the building that it was in? That's the alternative of oh, that question. Yeah, because when it gets big, it should still weigh the same. That's a little wooden. That, that also, was... it's made out of plastic. Yeah. Hmm. Or tin. Um, that was uh, part of the aspect of, of Giant Man. Um, that when he grew in size, his uh, mass increased as well. Right, but when they shrink, they're like... So they... I mean, it's all very... It'll do what they want it to do for the plot, is what yeah. it is. Well, yeah. yeah. Like you said, the shrinking is not a problem. It's how much the tank weighed. I think not. It's like, I can change the distance between the atoms. All right. That tank should be heavier than it was to harken back to the old Ant Man. You know, we saw the clips of him in in the forties picking up tanks and shit. Yeah, remember in the clips? Yeah, the newsreels, tanks being thrown. Yeah, so I mean, you know, I don't know. It's fine. <laughs> it's it makes as much sense as any of it does. Yeah, yeah. It's, it just yes. makes me think of of Spider Man. <laughs> that that thing defies all the laws of physics. Mm -hmm. We can say that about. Them particles. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> All of them. Every last one. Yeah. Um, so. uh, did we mention the the brief shot of Janet Van Dyne in the quantum realm? 
Oh, we didn't, but yes, I missed that. it was there. It's yes, a, there's a shadow of a woman mm-hmm. as he is shrinking past the shadow. You just barely right, see it. Because he figured he can get her out, and that's going to be something that, you know. That's well, there lies right, our yeah. yeah. Yep. That's what Hank becomes most interested in. You know, it's like great that this mission was successful, but then he finds out that Scott went to the quantum realm and came back, and it's like, yeah, you can tell in his face that the focus is shift. Yeah. Like, wait a minute. Yeah, that's, that's the possible. most. Yeah, that's the most important thing to him from there on out. And it probably prompts him to introduce Hope to the suit and such, because before he seemed pretty adamant that Hope not be involved because he was afraid she could slip away. Yeah, like Janet did. So yeah, it might have been like, all right, maybe this is possible. Um. Yeah. So I don't know. A little hasty, but. Do you guys have any last thoughts or uh, or comments before we move to the uh, to the ranking? I I just want to say the music was great. There was a lot of like Latin music in yeah. this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also the theme that dun 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 dun. dun. Yeah, that was fun. It, it's a fun movie. It might be the most memorable superhero theme that came this late in the game you know like i remember this more than i remember iron man's theme oh god yeah absolutely because this is just percussive really mm-hmm. who cares what the notes are it's just that dun 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 dun, dun. Mm-hmm. and then silence or looping forever mm-hmm. yeah it's really clever music yeah no i quite enjoyed it um so it's a tight little movie it really is. and it's sort of like guardians where like if you told me it would work that well, I I might not have believed. <laughs> well, I didn't believe. I went and saw it in the theater, but yeah, I was I didn't have high hopes for Ant Man, and I was wrong. So that's cool <laughs> when that happened. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, so all right, well, and you, Paul Rudd is just a comedian, you know. <laughs> well, he's a beautiful a white man. Himself. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. He is a beautiful, beautiful white comedic man. Just uh, um, last thing about um about Paul Rudd's looks. Um, he said he did the same. He said he did the Chris Pratt thing for this. He spent a year doing nothing fun and starving to death in order to get into shape for it. So, uh, um, he looks great. Yeah. Boo-hoo. He yeah. He didn't look good. Yeah. So he also didn't start like 280 like Chris Pratt did. No, you know? no. He was right. also in he probably started 180. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, all right. You guys ready to put it in the rankings? Sure. All right, let's take a look here. Um, so um, we've got a number of MCU movies up here at the top. Um, I definitely think it's better than Iron Man 3, personally. Um, I think it's probably better than Age of Ultron. After that's where it starts getting a little iffy for me where it should go. It's going to be hard to top Days of Future Past, man. Yeah. Yeah. That was really good. Um, I don't know. What 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 do the rest of you what opinions do we um, have? I mean, I personally like Ultron, but this is a better movie, I think. Okay. When it's all said and done. But I I can't see. It's definitely a simpler movie oh yeah i don't know if that makes it better it, but it's a little less convoluted i suppose it is it's a i think that's t- very uh, way tighter definitely age of ultron had a lot going on um, um i'm i 
feel similarly about the uh, Days of Future Past um, that I think this should go just below it. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah, uh, Zarina, do you have any? I, I'll let you guys do this one because you guys are, yeah. <laughs> not. That's fair. That's fair. Um, all right, so we've got... So is there a space in between Future Past and Ultron or are they next to each other? They're next to each other. Not so good. Yeah, we've got Future Past and Ultron right here at 11 and 12. Oh. That's high. Yes. <laughs> they are both high. Um, mm, I, a little higher than Thor. Yeah, Thor is at number 16. I definitely think this is better than Thor. <laughs> this like, is better than Thor. Yeah. I think it, Thor was way more serious than it needed to be. And Iron Man 3 is at number 13. I think it is absolutely better than Iron Man 3. Um, okay, then put it above that. Well, that would put it below of um, Age of Ultron. Fine. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I didn't realize those were 11 and 12. Yeah. Wow. Um, so Josh votes for below too. Age of Ultron. Al said above Age of Ultron. Brian, what do you think? I got to put it above Age of Ultron. Just the tightness. Okay. All right. That's All right. two four. So I will. Li- it's like it was boob molded. We'll put it. <laughs> so tight. <laughs> we'll put it there in between. Like titanium. <laughs> Tight. <laughs> Titanium. <laughs> Ant-Man goes in between. Uh... Whatever he wants. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Especially in the quantum world. Especially Except Titanium that. plates. <laughs> so, Just those. It goes at number 12 on our ranking. Oh, all right. Wow. Yes, indeed. So that means we are coming to the end of our... Uh, of the Ant-Man, uh, which means that we're going to be looking forward to next week. And next week on Harmless Phosphorescence, we are going to be watching Fant Forstick. Oh, no. <laughs> Fantastic oh, no. Four. Ugh. I have not seen this movie. I, I have not either. I've heard many a thing. So mm, crash test dummy doom. Yes, indeed. Um, that's next week on armless phosphorescence. So that, that'll be interesting. Um, so, okay. So I'm at this art museum with my cousin Ignacio, right? And there was like abstract expressionism exhibit, but you know me, I'm here like a neo cubist kind of guy. Right. But there was this one Rothko that was sublime, bro. Okay. So my God, Ignacio tells me I met this crazy fine writer chick at the spot last night, like fine, fine, crazy, stupid, fine. And he goes up to the bartender and says, look at that girl I'm with, you know, I'm saying she's crazy, stupid, fine. Right. And the bartender's all like, yeah, crazy, stupid, fine. So this writer chick tells Ignacio, yo, I'm like a boss in the world of guerrilla journalism. I got mad connections with the piece behind the curtains. You know what I'm saying? Right. So Ignacio is like for real. And she's like, yeah, you know what? I can't tell you who my contact is because he works for the Avengers. And this dude sounds like a badass man. Like he comes up to her and says, yo, I'm looking for this dude who's new to the scene, who's flashing this fresh tech, who's got like bomb moves, right? Who you got? And she's like, well, we got everything nowadays. We got a guy who jumps. We got a guy who swings. We got a guy who crawls up the walls. You got to be more specific. And he's like, I'm looking for a guy that shrinks. And I'm like, damn. I got all nervous because I keep mad secrets for you, bro. So I asked Ignacio, did the badass tell the stupid fine writer chick to tell you to tell me because I'm tight with Ant-Man that he's looking for him? And he said, this is your host, Thoreau Smiley, saying goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>
I'm Josh CC, and uh, goodbye, Frank. <laughs> I'm Brian Lesh, and I'm going to go shrink for all eternity, <laughs> or at least until next week. I'm Zarina Salido, and Daddy, don't get scared. <laughs> Can I go back to jail now? I'm Alaric Weber. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. Damn, buddy. We'll okay. see you next week. Bye. Bye. Wow, that was awesome. <laughs> Bye. Bye.